And it's Steve Tasker who has been all over the field. Kind of unique. He was kind of a dual role player for you. Steve. A balloon. Steve. A blimp. <laughs> We're not even in the stratosphere of normalcy. All right, welcome to another Monday here on One Bills Live on the heels of Buffalo's second preseason game of the preamble to the real Megilla, which is getting closer and closer. <laughs> and we are excited for that, among other things. And we will get into all the ins and outs of the game from Saturday in which the Bills stomped all over the Broncos to the tune of a 42-15 to 15 uh, score. I tell you, I got... Some people notice. I, you know, some people notice what I say when I'm in the booth on TV. Most people don't, but somebody brought my attention to it. I'm telling you, I was part of teams that were like terrible in the preseason. Marv never played well in the had us playing well in the preseason. He didn't care really. Okay. And we would go one and three in the preseason or zero oh and four in the preseason, and it was. I'm telling you, it stunk. And if you ever got embarrassed in the preseason, I'm telling you. Even as a good team, we were like, it made you want to puke the whole next week. It just stunk. You really questioned, yeah. like, it wasn't like you questioned your talent, but you questioned, like, what are we doing? Yeah. You know, how can we, how can we allow ourselves to be embarrassed like that? We, you know, we suck. Right. You know, and you, it sticks with you, even though it's a, you, you got the backups playing, you know, like, for, for my era, me and even me. Jim Thurman, all none of the Hall of Famers played, and a bunch, you know, Hull and the offensive line. They none of those guys played, but you'd be sitting there just watching your team just get chewed up. And I'm telling you what, it you feel it, yeah, because it's your team. And I'm I said it on the air, and people are like, "Going, what are you? You're crazy." Those guys, man, they do. I I think that stinks, and it does say something about the coaching staff. Ten in a row now in the preseason for the Bills. I believe it's 22 in a row now after Baltimore won again I'm, over the weekend. I have serious doubts about the Denver Broncos. Well, we had Nick Kosmider, who writes for The Athletic and covers the Broncos on our show on Friday, and he said, yeah, people here in Denver are getting carried away. They think that their team belongs on a level with the Bills because they have Russell Wilson and a talented receiving core, which they do. They have those things, but it's it's a – it's a first-time head coach, a first-time OC, and a first-time defensive coordinator and a special teams coordinator that has one year in the NFL as a special teams coordinator. So you basically got four guys doing new jobs at this level for the first time ever. And you're playing a new scheme on defense, a new scheme on offense, to think that they're going to be on a par with the well, Bills playing in that division. Yeah, and you're also playing it's against – It's pretty a, lofty. Even in the preseason, you're playing against a, an organization that's got a lot of stability. All, even the backups on the Bills have a year under – most of them have a year under their belt. Now there's some guy, you know, D-line and all this. Yeah. But there's some key positions. Most of them have all got a year under their belt. Kumaro comes in. He he played for them. You know? You got these guys coming off the bench. And Jaquan Johnson and Cam Lewis and all these defensive backs, yeah. they got it under their belt. They're they're playing a defense they've known for a long time. And I'm telling you, it showed. The Broncos looked horrible. Yeah. And I the Bills made them look horrible. I mean, Josh was like <laughs> Josh was three for three with a 40-yard dart touchdown pass. You know, thanks guys. Thanks for showing up. I'm gonna go good. Sit I'm gonna down go now and put my baseball. Where, hey, where's my sunflower seeds? Yeah. I it's I mean, they looked the Bills couldn't have looked better. Yeah. They 
Which they has bagged, they bagged going for it on a fourth and a foot so they could get a chance to punt. They were like asking to punt. Yeah, coach said he got booed on the sideline for that decision. And well, he should have. <laughs> and that's for uh, me. I'm a special teams guy. I would, I would have booed. We, uh, we they will, were, oh. Yeah, we will get into all the nuts and bolts of that game along with some of the roster moves today. And we'll be asking you for your takeaways from Saturday's game at 803-0550, or on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. But, Steve, there was something that occurred uh, on social media for me uh, overnight of all times. <laughs> and this is not the first time I can tell you this has happened. So my Twitter handle is Chris Brown Bills, which I'd like to think is pretty straightforward. Got my big white bald head there in the avatar. It's me. Yeah. And yet I am still to this day somehow con- confused with Chris Brown, the music, the musician, you know, the musical artist. Um, I guess they're not checking avatars when they do this, but I was I was tweeted at overnight <laughs> by none other than Baringo Billionaire who, after a little bit of investigation on my part, is an aspiring uh, art musical artist himself. And I, ha- I can tell you this is the first time this has ever happened, Steve. I was tweeted at, along with Rick Ross, Nicki Minaj, <laughs> Lil Wayne, and DJ Khaled by this Baringo billionaire. And Chris Brown Bills. And Chris Brown Bills, yes. That's the rundown. <laughs> and... Uh, the guy was nice enough to send us a TikTok, 10-second TikTok, of his new haircut, which features a blonde streak across the front of his hairline and then down the part line. And he's apparently very proud of it. There's some music going on in the background. Um, I, I, I hope he's successful. I hope he makes it, you know, as, as, a, as a musician, whatever genre of music he is into. Um. I'm not going to be able to help you. I mean, yeah. I just well, you might have. I mean, maybe I, people go to maybe he'll get what's how many followers did he have? Seventy nine. Okay, maybe maybe he's he's starting from the ground up here. You know, it's a grassroots effort, and uh, you know, I'm sure if he feels as though he could get a response from Nicki Minaj or Lil Wayne, heart. we're gonna we'll keep a running. We're gonna put that on the whiteboard. Keep, we gotta, we gotta keep touch, a running tab. Yeah, of we got to touch. We got to touch base with him every once in a while. See, I, I have to imagine it, to some degree he's. He's doing his best to boost his own profile because after tweeting at me, Lil Wayne, Rick Ross, Nicki Minaj, and DJ Khaled, he then proceeded to like his own tweet. Oh, well, there so, you go. Every little bit. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Um, I don't know if I'm going to tweet back to him to tell him, hey, you might be looking for this guy uh, right. instead of me. I might do it just as a service, but this is... I've been tweeted at multiple times by people over the years. It's been a, it's been a minute since right. the last time this happened. I actually had women for a stretch tweeting me their music video dance auditions. For his mu- mu- hoping videos, I could, yeah. Hoping they could be in one of my music videos, uh, not knowing that I am not that Chris Brown. Yeah. So it well, has happened again. We will keep a running tab on this, and as Steve requested, we'll see how Baringo Billionaire does in terms of boosting his following 
after tweeting at me, but I, I wouldn't hold your breath on that because I am not your music career answer at all. Right. <laughs> uh, good luck to you, though. I hope it works out for you. Uh, let's get to the Bills news. Buffalo released wide receiver Tavon Austin and punter Matt Hawk this morning to get the roster down to 82 players. It has to be down to 80 by tomorrow at 4 p.m. The release of Hawk means the punting competition is essentially over. The job now going to rookie Matt Ariza. We'll have some comments from Coach McDermott on what lies ahead for the rookie punter in a little bit here as he addressed the media prior to practice, which is going on right now about 50 yards from where we sit. Yeah, they've they've moved into, and not that everybody anybody anybody cares about this except us. That they through training camp they've been going to nine forty five in the morning. Now just today, now it's a regular season. They're going to start practice at twelve thirty every day, just like a half hour early of when the game would start. Yeah. So like when they go out to warm up for a, a normal one o'clock Sunday game, this is when they have practice. So that's today's the first day of that, which was kind of a wrench in the. I like it. Well, we don't get to watch as much practice. Right. We now, get like right. 10 minutes of practice before we have to come in here. So, um, And as Steve said, coming off the preseason game, it was a heck of an offensive display. Six touchdowns on each of their first six possessions, 333 total net yards at halftime. They didn't punt until eight minutes were left in the game. The run game looked strong with the line doing a good job of opening lanes. The three quarterbacks, Steve were a combined 26 of 29 passing for 302 yards and two touchdowns. The running backs averaged 7.7 yards per carry. The offense had just three third-down situations the entire game and converted two of them. Here's the most remarkable thing, because at the end of the game, they had 510 yards of total offense. They only had five plays of 20 yards or more in the entire game, and yet they had 510 yards and averaged 9.1 yards per play. The, the, uh, the offensive line, offensively, the line totally dominated them from start to finish. They Running backs were like getting plus five yards before yeah. contact. They were just absolutely tearing them up. And, you know, once you get going like that, and particularly, like, Ken Dorsey um, is up there going, well, you know, we can call anything I want now, particularly in the run game. Uh, you know, James Cook got the nice run, a couple of nice ones. And then, of course, you know, Singletary, Moss was a hammer down inside. I really think that's – you know, they do everything by committee here if they can. Moss on goal line? Moss is a goal line back. I mean, they want him to be a hammer. And the only time and, – and also this, I'll say this. If you look back uh, at the times when it, it didn't go so well for him, but I think they still like him for it, is when they are backed up in their own end. They like to hand it to him and have him hammer out some space for him. Remember, he did that. And in the Chiefs game, was it the uh, AFC Championship Chiefs game? That couldn't have been. Anyway, one of the Chiefs games, he, he coughed it up. We never saw him again. So – I think he, they have specific uses for all of these guys, and I think you're going to see you know, Singletary, James Cook mostly, and then I think you're going to have a role for Zach Moss when he gets in there. Turnovers were an issue, as we know, in the first preseason game. Five in total, none in this game. Coach was very happy about that afterwards. Defensively, there were some flashes of pass rush in the absence of Von Miller. They only got one sack in the game, and it was at the very end by Ilianku. Um, but... 
I thought there were some good edge performances by A.J. Epinesa and Shaq Lawson in this game. They moved the quarterback off his spot. They didn't get him down on the ground, but they moved him off his spot. They forced hurried throws. They each batted a couple of passes. So it was encouraging to see that in the absence of Vaughn. You knew those guys were going to get a lot of run, and they were making plays, particularly on the money downs, third down. So it was good right. to see some of that. And as I said, we'll, be, we'll have uh, Coach McDermott's comments for you here in just a few minutes. Um, to give you more on that game. The other thing that was interesting defensively, Steve, Cam Lewis lined up not only a corner, but safety as well. Played a lot in this game. Some people might look at that and say, well, if he's playing right to the end, uh, are they keeping him on the roster? I think they're looking at him this extensively because I think they're trying to find everything that he can do. If he can be a safety and a corner and play teams, he could play nickel, too. And that he makes the team for that reason because then somebody who's a specialist who doesn't play teams doesn't. And by the way, somebody he else a couple of tackles on special Plus, teams. yeah, they can keep him as a corner, as a nickel, as a safety, and as a special teams player. That means somebody who doesn't do all of those things, that's his backup player, can be right. released, and they can get a roster spot at a D lineman or a linebacker or what have you. The, the reason it's interesting to me is – Nick McLeod, as we know, has been playing corner and safety since the spring and got off to a red-hot start in training camp, had two interceptions in one day at one point, and has been playing a lot. He also played on a lot of special teams, made a, made a tackle and a hit uh, on Saturday. But now this late emergence of Cam Lewis as a corner-safety combo, it makes the discussion even more interesting with respect to the defensive back numbers. Yeah, that for me, everybody says, well, gosh, I hope they don't cut this guy. They're going to have to cut some guys. Yeah. they got to cut them. And they've got a big practice squad, and they'll try and save as many of these guys as they can. But here's the thing. Yeah, okay, they're, they're releasing. Like today, Tavon Austin can play. He's a good player. They just don't have a spot for him they yeah. got, because they've got some young guys and some guys that they trust already on the roster. There just isn't room for another slot guy slash return guy. And – so you're going to leave some guys out there. The, the good thing you got to remember is they're keeping some really, really, really good players. They're going to have a really good roster, yeah. a really good roster. And the Giants can pirate our cut, you know, our cut bucket if they want, and they will. Um, it's been an ongoing joke in some of our production meetings that, you know, Joe Shane and, and Dayball are, you know, hovering around the Bills' waiver yeah. wire. Me and a couple of media members were trying to set an over-under for Giants poachings once – we get down to 53. Two and a half. We put, you know, we put the over under at three and a half. Three and a half. Because I think they could be as many, there could be as many as four, depending on who gets yeah. clipped. Yeah, depending on who does. I, I think, um, yeah, there, there could be. The offensive line of the Bills has got some, some guys. They've got a lot of guys that can play and a lot of guys with an upside that haven't really made, perhaps shown it yet that yeah. the Bills really think are going to get there. Like, like you know, um, Wyatt Teller years ago when he, you know, they trade him to Cleveland. Now he's a Pro Bowl guard or an All-Pro guard. So that kind of stuff happens. They've got some guys on the roster that are even more accomplished than that now. So you got to think, okay, are the Bills going to try and trade some of these guys, shop some of these guys, or – and get something for him, like they did Wyatt Teller? Or are they going to try and keep him or just let him go? That's 
Yeah, it it is interesting for sure. Offensive line's a great candidate for it. You only keep like eight or nine of those guys, maybe ten with a practice squad. Nine, maybe ten. Yeah, I think that would be a fair number. Questenberry started the game on Saturday as they continue to work Spencer Brown back slowly but steadily, and that figures to continue into this week. Spencer Brown has some rust to knock off, and I think the coaching staff knows that, but they don't want to rush him back onto the field. And Questenberry is a nice fallback option to have, who I thought, you know, again, held his own last week, albeit against backups, quote-unquote, second-teamers, because Denver did not play any starters on offense or defense, with the exception of Quinn Miners, their starting right guard, he played at the beginning of the game. But beyond him, there was nobody else. Um It's just Coach Hackett's philosophy, so you expected the Bills to dominate, and they did. Before we get to Coach McDermott, let's run through some quick NFL news and notes because there are some things happening today. It was announced about an hour ago, Baker Mayfield will start for the Panthers week one against the Browns. How happy is the NFL with this one? They didn't even plan this one when they put the schedule together in May because Baker Mayfield didn't get traded until the summer. And yet he wins the job, and now he's going to play his former team in his first game for someone other than the Browns. He's playing against the Browns. Hoo-ha! I know, I know it should happen a lot. I don't know. Maybe it does happen. We don't keep track of it. Von Miller is playing L.A. in week one. Russell Wilson is playing Seattle in week one. That one they planned. That trade had already right. happened. They knew they could schedule that. Now Baker. This is a bonus. This, this is, is great. Yeah, this is bonus bonus drama. Uh, Baker coming back to Cleveland. How many times, Steve, in the lead-up to that game are we going to hear the following? The Browns are paying Mayfield $10.5 million of his salary this season. And then if he wins the game, the Browns are paying him $10.5 million, and he just handed them their first loss. Because there's no Deshaun Watson playing. Not that Carolina's a world beater this year at all, but it could happen. Yeah, that's oof, yeah. That's really nice. And that's a juicy and, one. And, but I'll say Steve, this too, remember and nobody's Remember, I mean, there's no Bills game Sunday, the first week. We're gonna be looking at a lot of these games. We'll see him. That's a juicy one. Yeah, we knew Bart Baker was we knew this was coming. It's just been announced. But you knew Sam Darnold is not beating out Baker Mayfield. Yeah. This, these 2018 quarterbacks that were both taken ahead of Josh Allen, now laughably. But it's just now you can kind of sink your teeth into it and get your knife and fork out and, and just get ready to eat it up because you know the way Baker plays and the way he likes to showboat and chase his passes down the field and wave his arm. Oh, my gosh. He's going to yeah. embarrass himself if, he, if they get out in front. Maybe he'll plant a flag at midfield. Who knows? Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> but <laughs> are they? He's already Carolina? done that. I, I, are they in Carolina? I think or? it's in Carolina. Oh, I well, think I'll it find is. Find out in two seconds. You find out. In the meantime, there was a trade today in the NFL involving a quarterback. Vikings acquire backup quarterback Nick Mullins from the Raiders in exchange for a conditional seventh round pick in 2024. The Vikings clearly not happy with their backup quarterback options behind Kirk Cousins, and those players are as follows. Sean Mannion and Kellen Mond. Mond's been terribly erratic in his two preseason appearances, only completing 
percent of his passes with two touchdowns and two picks. So they bring in Nick Mullins, who had previously been a backup for the 49ers the last couple of years, then signed with the Raiders in the offseason. But they have Derek Carr and Jarrett Stidham expendable. So the Raiders get a seven uh, to send Nick Mullins to Minnesota. Giants top pick Kayvon Thibodeau. We saw, most of us saw over the weekend, the block thrown at his right knee in the Giants preseason game over the weekend. He left the game, and it was feared that it was a major knee injury. His knee did bend awkwardly. I mean, there's no question about it. But the results are out from the MRI. It is a sprained MCL for Thibodeau, fortunately. And the Giants are hopeful he can still be ready for week one. So dodged a major bullet there. And the uh, Browns are in Carolina. So it's a home home game for home game. Won't be planting flags in the state of Ohio for the second time in his career. Last note, Tom Brady was seen at Bucks headquarters today. He is back with the team practicing. He was vacationing with his family at an exclusive resort in the Bahamas over the past week and a half. He returns to the Tampa offense that is a little bit more shorthanded than when he left. They lost their starting center, Ryan Jensen, for the season to a knee injury, and they lost their starting left guard to a knee injury, Aaron Stinney. Um, they're going to be out two starting offensive linemen for the season. Tough losses. Um, so, yeah, that's where it's at. My my guess, Steve, because I do want to weigh in on anything controversial regarding Brady, mm-hmm. he planned mm-hmm. this vacation with with Giselle before when he retired. Then he unretired, and she looked at him and said, we're not moving this trip. Figure it out. Well, because, yeah, we're not moving the trip because – well, they probably did that when he said, I'm going to retire. She says, what about our vacations right in the middle of the training game? He says, well, I'm going to tell them that we're going to take it anyway. Because yeah. I'll say this. It, it, Ten days of listen, camping. They got, they got like th- four kids. And all of us know, I don't care who, if, whether you're Tom Brady and Giselle Munchen or not, you can't do that to the kid. You, the kids' schedules are too important, and the, ki- the kids will absolutely put you through hell if you don't get out in front of it yeah so i i mean it's forever it's like are you kidding me yeah but that was probably something where the missus said listen you are fine but you better tell them that on august whatever it was 8th through the 18th you're not going to be available and he's like hon i can't do tell them yeah honey it's right in the middle tell them (laughs) all right Guys, I want to come back, but uh, still got to do this thing. Yeah, yeah, I got a vacation in the Bahamas. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> so that was good. That um, awesome. So Blaine Gabbard and Kyle Trask have been holding down the fort while Brady's been gone. Uh, we do, though, want to turn now to head coach Sean McDermott. As we told you, he addressed the media this morning prior to practice, had some thoughts on preseason game number two along with some individual performances, and we also asked him a question as to whether Ken Dorsey – has finalized where he is going to be located on game days this season. Here is Coach. All right, we'll go ahead and uh, get started here. I just mentioned I know we made a couple moves this morning. Uh, again, never easy, and uh, situations we take seriously. Um, so, you know, uh, appreciate what Matt and Tavon both uh, meant to this organization and the work they put in and how they handle, handled themselves like professionals when they were here. And uh, we wish them nothing but the best. 
and um, we will open it up to your questions. What, uh, what led you to decide on that horizon for the month ago? Uh, just, you know, again, just felt like uh, um, it was time to, to, to move on with, with one punter in camp. Uh, sometimes it's numbers. Uh, and I uh, also wanted to give Matt, a, Matt Hawk a chance to get out there and catch on with another team. Um, what we've seen to this point with Matt Ariza is, is, is been uh, he's off to a good start. Um, it doesn't mean he's where he, he needs to be. He's not arrived. And, and speaking with Matt this morning, uh, you know, he echoed those sentiments in terms of he, he's earned nothing. He's got to continue to work. And, and I think that's the right mindset here. So. Yeah, that and then, you know, he had a couple of tweaks here and there, just being available and, uh, but uh, true pro, uh, when he was out there, he played with great effort, great intensity, he loves the game, you could see that and a highly decorated player, so, um, you know, uh, just Wish he was out there a little bit more for us, and I thought he had a, a, a good day this past Saturday here. Is perhaps part of the decision there maybe to let you see Shakir deep on punts? He seems to be making the right decisions back there. Well, I, I think uh, you're probably looking too far into some of these. I mean, if we could keep everyone, we would. It's not things that they didn't do or, or things that we've done all the time. It's, it's just numbers, right? So same with Tavon as it was with Matt. It's, it's numbers. What did you think of um, Cam Lewis at safety and the snaps that he had there? Yeah, I thought he looked uh, looked good for a player that hadn't taken a lot of reps there in training camp uh, to this point. Uh, we'll continue to look at him at that position moving forward, and as well as corner and nickel. Going back to Ariza, um, his, his uh, job holding uh, was something you guys were going to look at closely. He's had a lot of opportunities here in the first two preseason games. Where, where do you feel like he's at in his development with that? Right. Um, progressing. Um, he hadn't done it much, if at all, in college. So it was, a, it was a big question that we did have. And I think he's gotten off to a good start. The relationship he's built with, with, uh, with Tyler and, and Reed has been impressive to this point. And, uh, but again, much work remains in, in that regard as well. In regards to that work remaining, you know, the, everybody knows he has the big leg and he showed that in the first preseason game. But the, the nuanced punts, the touch punts down by the goal line, the hang time, those things are all things that you wanted to see him work on. How has he developed in the, in the practice setting? Because we haven't seen it too much in the preseason game. Yeah. So how has he developed in the practice setting there? Yeah, I mean, he's, I'd say he's, you know, he's working. He's a work in progress like we all are, Jay. It's, uh, you know, would have loved to have gotten him some more work in that game. Saturday um, um, didn't work out that way. Uh, you know, he practices those situations. I mean, that's all. It, it's one thing to punt the ball eighty some yards. It's another thing to can you fine tune your game in those areas where it's got to be polished. The pooch punts, backed up situations. Um, you know, being in, being being aware of certain type of other situations that come up as a punter. It's not just punting the ball or punting it as far as you can punt it. So um, all of that is a work in progress, just like it is for our team. Sean, um, you mentioned that Jordan Player might be uh, ready to return this, this week. Uh, what's, what's the update? Uh, not at this point. We're not quite there yet. Uh, but he is improving. He's put a lot of work in with our training staff. And uh, we'll continue to take it uh, one day at a time here.
Well, he's athletic. Uh, you know, when you when you turn the film on, you see he's able to bend. Um, he can block in line. He can you know, flex out, do some things as a as a receiver, as you saw this past weekend as well. Um, but again, I thought he blocked well at times, and um, you know, got the penalty there down in the red zone before I think it was before half that that cost us a little bit there. But um, he'll learn from that, and um, you know, he continues to come every day and, and, and prepared to work and, and with a good attitude. Coach, you and Coach Dorsey reached a decision on his game day location, or are you going to push it to this final preseason game? Um, probably a better question for him. I'm comfortable where he is. Um, I think he's, I, you know, I noticed, uh, again, just experience from game one to game two, and I think he's comfortable, but probably a better direct question for him at this point. As far as I, as far as I go, he can use another game that, to come down if he wants, but I think that's all what we do in the preseason and, and getting him comfortable as possible there. Well, he's smart. Um, he's got a really good head on his shoulders just in terms of it doesn't seem like any job is too small and and yet no job is too big at this point. And um, that's, that's not an easy challenge where he can play inside, play outside, especially for a first-year player in this system. Um, and he's handled it well to this point. Any other injury updates coming out of the game, either new injuries or guys possibly returning? Uh, tell me who you have in mind, and I'll give you a Jay. Settle. Yeah, Settle um, will be out there um, an individual a little bit today, do some running, more so do some running, and then see if we can get him in, into individual, hoping to progress him through the week here. Uh, I don't know if Michael was just, he's got some neck soreness still, um, so um, he'll be out there, uh, but we got to continue to monitor it here. Yeah, um, uh, right now it appears tomorrow, um, so uh, we'll just take it one day at a time here. Well, I think he's like most of our rookies. He's he has some good plays, and he's got some plays uh, that he can learn from. And it's all that uh, it's what you go through as a as a rookie. And sometimes some of the the plays you want to learn from outweigh the the good ones. And and that's okay. That's if you're taking the right approach to it, and you're learning and you're growing. Um, you know that serves as a great educator for him. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Ask you this, so, so I apologize for being redundant. Um, Tredavious, in terms of the amount of practice time that you feel he would need coming off an injury like he is, to feel comfortable enough for him to actually return to game action, do you have a, a, a gauge on that that sort of a timeline that you'd be comfortable with? A timeline in terms of number of practices? Yeah, practices, amount of time, perhaps he needs to get out. Yeah, too. I mean, I have something in my mind, but it, it's it's a little bit different maybe for every player because each one of them is different experience-wise and, and how quickly they get them back themselves back up to speed. So um, I won't go there, but um, you do need to practice to get yourself ready to go and get yourself game ready. All right, that's head coach Sean McDermott addressing the media prior to practice today. We'll get through his news and notes on the other side of the break. We are taking your phone calls, 803 
1-888-550-2550. Biggest takeaways from preseason game number two. I know there's probably not a lot of gripes people are going to have with it, but we want to know anyway. So feel free to fire them off or hit us up on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. We'll get to your thoughts next. We'll see you in two minutes. All right, welcome to One Bills Live. And we just heard comments from Coach McDermott, who, among other things, said that the anticipation is Dawson Knox is scheduled to rejoin the team tomorrow. Uh, So Coach said we're not guaranteeing anything because they're going to let him take as much time as he needs, obviously, with the tragic passing of his younger brother last week. He was with his family over the weekend, missed the preseason game. But he is scheduled to return to the team tomorrow. Um, you might have heard me ask Coach McDermott about whether or not offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey has finalized his game day location for the regular season. For the blue and red practice back here in the stadium, he was calling plays up in the coach's booth. Preseason game number one, calling plays up in the coach's booth. Preseason game number two, calling plays up in the coach's booth. As you heard Coach McDermott say, he's comfortable with where he wants to be on game day, it's it would appear that he's probably going to be upstairs during the season. He has spent most of his coaching career down on the sidelines, so it is a change. So I would imagine, initially I was thinking, well, he's upstairs because he wants to get a feel for that. He knows what it's like to be downstairs. And wouldn't shock me if he stays up there, though. Um, your vantage point is so different. You're in a controlled atmosphere. You can lay everything out in front of you. You know, you got a desk. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just, I it thought, seems like a better working environment. Well, certainly you can, you've got some room to spread out and have some things in front of you to look at. But I, here's my thought was always this. That coaches, the one thing I know about NFL coaches, quality control coaches, all of those guys on the coaching staff, they watch an absolute absurd amount of film. Mm-hmm. Absurd. And when they do that, they get the high view. So when you watch so much film, it seems to me it would be natural to see it like they do from Keep the film. Consistent. Keep it consistent. He's looking at the exact same thing he looks at all day, every day. Or all week in film right. leading up to the game. Well, they watch so much film, and you'll see analysts get there too, where they see something on the happen on the field, and it's just like watching it on film. You ca- Something catches your eye, and you think, oh, okay, here's look at this. And they go back, and they'll just be able to tell you what happened on the play from one run-through live because yeah. they've seen it happen on film so much. So I think as a coordinator, they do so much of that film study, they see it again on, on the field, it's easy for them to say, oh, yeah, I, and, and, and think out ahead. When you're sitting on the sidelines, man, you can't see the other side of the field. You know, you can't see where the safety's lined, exactly which hash he's on. You don't pick it up in your peripheral vision. You know, you don't have a sense of the scale of where their splits are and stuff like that. So, to me, it makes an awful lot of sense for these coaches to be up in the box. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, maybe it's not for everybody, but I always thought, logically speaking, that's what I always what I always, you know, acquire, um, attributed it to. Yeah. Them always being up there. Yeah. So, it looks like it's leaning that way. Obviously, Coach Dorsey could pull a fast one on us and be down on the sidelines on Friday. And then decides, ah, you know what? I like it better down here. Yeah, maybe get one more try or something. Yeah. 
But it's the way Coach McDermott made it sound, it almost almost as if the decision's somewhat of a foregone conclusion. He's been up there every opportunity he's had for right. games and game-like practices. And now, you know, with one preseason game left, you know, Coach left the ball in Coach Dorsey's court. So he'll let him make the decision. But it's clear that Coach McDermott's pretty comfortable with how things have worked in each of the first two preseason games with Coach Dorsey upstairs do want to get to your thoughts on the tweet sheet what were your biggest takeaways from saturday's preseason game against the broncos tweet sheet is always brought to you by corrigan moving systems the official equipment moving company of the buffalo bills nick leads us off and he says i don't know where we're what we're going to do at running back every back has played well enough to earn a roster spot but we can't keep them all since moss is our power option it appears johnson and blackshear are the odd men out but I don't think they'll last on the practice squad. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think while Raheem Blackshear certainly has some juice and has caught the eyes of a lot of people, including myself, I kind of see him as the new Antonio Williams. You remember Antonio Williams was an undrafted prospect out of North Carolina that the Bills had here for a couple of years. He was on the practice squad, got an opportunity against the Dolphins, in that Week 17 game back in 2020 and scored a couple of touchdowns and everybody was all excited about him, couldn't crack the roster. Now, I'm not saying Blackshear can't, but with veterans or guys that have been here and know the offense intimately ahead of him, I think he's probably on the practice squad, probably. Um, Duke Johnson, I don't know. Do you keep that guy on the practice squad? You have six veteran exemptions that you can put on the 16-man practice squad. He would obviously be one of them since he's been in the league for a while. So, or do you just cut him outright and say, hey, look, we want to give you a chance to play somewhere else? I don't have any names I can give you. I just have a feeling. And from what we've seen in, Buff in Bill's uniforms and around the National Football League, every team has a Raheem Blackshear, a, running, a young running back, or a new running back that's like, hey, yeah, wow, can, hey, look bit. at this guy. Look, hey, hey. What? And there's just not a spot for him. That's why the position has been devalued, let yeah. alone the fact that everybody throws it all over the yard. And teams don't hand it off like they did in the 1970s, yeah. 1980s. Different. They just don't need those guys. It's the same thing with linebackers. The run game has been devalued, so run stuffers don't exist. If you can't play in space as a linebacker and run and cover, you can't play. It used to be if you didn't hit and wear those big square shoulder pads and, you know, flow and fill to the hole, and, you know, you couldn't, you know, that was what it needed. Now you got Matt Milano playing out there at 225, 230, running all over the place, covering tight ends. And in the running game, okay, comes up, makes a tackle, but they ain't going to hand it off that much. So the same way with Raheem Blackshear coming in flashing here for Buffalo, there's a dozen other guys around the league who flash for their team who probably aren't going to make it. I hate to say that, but that's why the league is so good. <laughs> it's hard to make a team. It's really hard to get on a roster. Yeah. I mean, you got to you got to hit a home run, man. And while Blackshear has done that, think about the the preseason Christian Wade had 2 years ago. Every time he touched the ball, he was going the distance. There wasn't a spot for him. There was no spot for him. So it's hard. And I and you know, Raheem Blackshear the bill, he may make the Bills and happy if he does. Bless his heart. But if he doesn't, don't expect him to be snatched up right away by somebody else 
because they got guys of their own that they like. Yeah, I like this guy. Yeah. Nobody took Antonio Williams off Buffalo's practice squad until last year, um, this, or actually this past offseason, when the Giants scooped him up after Joe Shane and Brian Dable had gone to New York. That's the first time he got plucked off the practice squad. So there you go. Uh, Jack on the tweet sheet says, my biggest takeaway is that the GM and coach have their work cut out for them when it comes to roster decisions. There are some really good players that there just simply isn't room for. Running back, D-line, wide receiver, DB, tight end, all have guys who can and will play in the NFL in 22, just maybe not in the 716. You're right, Jack. There will be guys on this roster today who will be playing on NFL rosters elsewhere and getting on the field on Sundays. It's going to happen because the roster is extraordinarily deep. Whether you talk to local reporters or national reporters, they all say the same thing. The Bills roster's stacked, and it's like two and three deep in some places. Here's the thing, too, and, and, I, and I'll say this as something I've, and this is just an, an, a, a side effect of what we're talking about. When you get into the, and just to give you an inner, uh, into the mind of how players think and their agents and, and stuff happening, it's really critical for guys. Well, let, let's say Raheem Blackshear. He needs to go to a, a club, and, and certainly if you only have one offer, hey, take it. But some of these guys, some guys, in, particularly in free agency, where you got two different teams vying for your services, it's the only information you want to know is this. Do I fit this system better than I fit that system? Is this am – I, am I an outside linebacker going to a 4-3 team, or am I, or am I a, you know, a pass-rushing edge guy on a 4-3 who – you know, they want to stand up like the Miami Dolphins did with that kid Jalen Phillips last year. Yeah. I mean, what were they doing? You know, stuff like that where you get a guy who, yeah, I'll take the deal. And then you go in there and he's you're, you're like still a running back. But now you're playing a, a what amounts to a completely different position, even though you're labeled the same thing. So it's going to be interesting to see. And that's always the challenge, because when you get cut from an NFL team, you really feel some desperation. You're unemployed. You want to take a, a job. But if you have just a little patience and you pick the right spot, some of these guys will have better careers than others just because they they fit. And it doesn't always go that this running back, your running back that's good for you is going to be good over here. It just doesn't work that way. Break time for us here. When we come back, more of your thoughts on the tweet sheet. And remember, here on Mondays after these preseason games, we have senior producer from NFL Films Greg Cosell joining us in the second hour to break down the game film, so be sure to stay tuned for that. But more of your thoughts on the tweet sheet next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Buffalo Wing Festival will be back at Highmark Stadium over Labor Day weekend with over 75 different styles of wings from 24 eateries, local and from across the country, plus three stages with live music and contests. There's something for the whole family. Tickets will be sold at the gate for $20 and parking is F-R-E-E free. Plus kids under eight get in for free. Learn more by visiting buffalowing.com. Boom diggity. Get your wing face on. Let's go. <laughs> going to be I, good. I don't know. I have to work on my wing face. I don't think I have one. Sure you do. You just don't know it. 
we got to get back to the tweet sheet to get more of your thoughts on your main takeaways from Saturday's preseason contest against the Denver Broncos, which was, well, for a while you were wondering just how bad it was going to get. Uh, Denver was only able to kick field goals until the late going, and uh, it was a runaway from the jump. TJ on the tweet sheet, Steve, says Shakir must be the wide receiver who comes in to give a breather to either Diggs, Davis, or McKenzie. He needs to get snaps. He is the yards-after-catch daddy we've been dreaming of, and Josh will showcase him. Get ready for four-star wide receivers to go off on the same team this year. What do you think is a realistic projection for Shakir? I was thinking he's probably going to be what Gabe Davis was his rookie year. Is yeah. that is that seem to be on track to happen? That's what I would he's call He's not unseating yeah. the top three guys, I don't think. No, I would say um, – I would say Gabe Davis's numbers from his rookie season. 35 catches, 35, seven touchdowns. Seven yeah. TDs. With, and he, remember, he had three called back. Or, and he had 400-something yards. That's, Sha- that's Shakir. Right. That's his numbers. And as TJ, you know, as much as I want TJ to be right that they'll have four-star receivers going off, we can't forget that Dawson Knox is in this passing offense also. Guy had nine right. touchdowns last year and almost 50 catches. Yeah, and it's easy enough to, to say all this stuff, too, but the, the simple fact of the matter is, too, Ken Dorsey's going to be the offensive coordinator, not Brian Dayball as well. So that may skew, you know, it may mean that Dawson Knox gets more targets or the running backs get more targets or all of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So it's, uh, it's hard to say, but, you know, all things being equal, that's exactly the role that I think you and I could easily see Khalil Shakir filling yeah. for this Bills team. Just Gabe Davis's role two years ago. Gary on the tweet sheet says, I know it is only preseason and Denver didn't play starters. Buffalo having only three third downs the whole game is an amazing stat. It is an amazing stat. Uh, Especially when you consider, as I pointed out at the top of the show, Steve, Bills roll, roll up 510 yards of total net yards. And they only have five plays of 20 yards or more. It's not like they had some 85 yard play. You know what I mean? Like you have some play that gobbles up a ton of yardage. Somebody falls down and the guy they, runs 60-something yards. They had five plays at 20 yards or more. Everything else was 10 to 20 yards. They they were chunking them to death. They absolutely beat the stew out of the Broncos. They manhandled them top to bottom. And, you know, you think about if Josh – if you know, you can always say if this and if that and all that. If Josh plays the whole game, he's going to have a lot more – plays like the one to Gabe Davis for the touchdown. Yeah, and they got probably a 50 spot or more on the board. Oh, oh, kid, yeah. Well, they only punted once anyway. Yeah. So And scored 42. Right. So <laughs> Yeah. And and I get it. And that's the way it was. That's that was the Broncos way of playing in the preseason. Put those guy put their twos and threes out there and let them get their heads caved in. Fine. Uh You think that was a real fun day for Russ Wilson and Judy and those guys, they they want – it's no fun to be on a team like that. Yeah. Be, I, people I poo-poo it. that. I, that's a bad flight home. There's no slicing that like, oh, it didn't matter. Hey, if it matters. Yeah. Because They're probably it, it, going home going, it's are, are your, we going to be good enough? Our culture stinks. Are we going to be good enough? Yeah. It's like one of those If things. anybody gets hurt, we're going to have that guy on the field. Or We, we just got our head caved in. A cru- we got crushed. We got crushed by Case Keenum and Matt Barkley. 
Case Keenan was 16-18 for 192 yards and a touchdown. The three quarterbacks were 26 of 29. They took the Bills took played Josh for one series and they started subbing people out. I mean, and Steve, they did that. They didn't even try to stretch the field. The longest pass play was the touchdown to Davis for 28 yards. The Broncos are going to be horrible. I'm, they're going to be. Are we bad. putting that on the whiteboard? I, I, I might drive. Yes, I might write that on the white, whiteboard. <laughs> I might stand by that. By horrible, we got a, what's an over under for a horrible team? Five and twelve. That's horrible. Yeah, I don't know if they'll be that bad. I think they could win seven or eight games. Oh, I think the over under is five and a half. Wow, that bad. Listen, I like Russ, but that. That philosophy they got over there on the sidelines, whatever, who's calling shots over there, Nathaniel, Nathaniel Haggett, you can poo-poo it as preseason stuff. You don't, you don't change your culture by getting your head caved in 42 to whatever 15. it was, 15, and scoring the last touchdown. That's not changing the culture, at least not in the right way. Yeah. I <laughs> I don't you know, think man. they're gonna? You think that there is no gear big enough to switch that game around? No. There's no gear the Broncos have that can make a 42-15. I don't care. Russ Wilson, Johnny Unitas, Earl Campbell, Javante Williams. You can name. Melvin go Gordon. down. John Elway. You can go down all the. I don't care. I don't care who it is. <laughs> there ain't no gear you can shift if you're the Denver Broncos to go from 15 up to 42 where the Bills were. Yeah. There ain't. There isn't one. So yeah. you can say what you want. I, Right now, you hope that the Broncos get out of the West and come to the playoffs because you're gonna you'll kick them again. Yeah, they're not good enough. They aren't. Could get better as the season goes on, but I'm not terribly optimistic. Not with a brand new head coach, brand new OC, brand new defensive coordinator who've never done it before at the NFL level. It's gonna be some growing pains there for sure. We have to step aside here. When we come back, though. We're going to be joined by the man, the myth, the legend, senior producer from NFL Films, Greg Cosell, who has broke down the film from Saturday's preseason game. What did he think about some of the players on Buffalo's roster? We'll find out next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collada Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Tasker, who has been all over the field. Kind of unique. He was kind of a dual-role player for you. Steve. A balloon. Steve. A blimp. <laughs> We're not even in the stratosphere of normalcy here. Hour number two. Breaking things down here on a Monday after Bill's preseason game number two. And who else better to help us out with that than the senior producer from NFL Films? You also see him on the ESPN NFL matchup show during the regular season. It is our good friend Greg Cosell. How we doing, Greg? Brownie, what's happening? I guess you got a big quarterback controversy now, huh? After Case Keenum's performance? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing, uh, amazingly, no. It's gone somewhat under the radar. Yeah. But, uh, oh, well, you know, we, I think we should discuss that. I think we should make some news here. What do you think? Eh, I don't know. I was pretty happy with Crazy. the whole thing. I will, <laughs> yeah, say, they, yeah. I will say this, Greg. Um, that game for a while was looking awfully, awfully similar to the – to the postseason game against the Patriots. No punting, touchdowns every time they touch the ball. 
And the most amazing thing to me was you look at the end of the game, Greg, they only had five plays of 20 yards or more, and they still had over 500 total net yards. And three total third downs. That's it. Three third downs. I know. Downs. That's what's t- truly remarkable. But, uh, no, it was it was a pretty impressive – look, the, the, the point is that preseason – you obviously would rather see good execution than poor execution. It doesn't matter who you're playing against. You'd rather see the players execute what they're being taught and coached every day in practice. You know this, Steve. I mean, that's what you want to have happen. No one is suggesting that this performance means that they're in the Super Bowl, um, although they clearly are a Super Bowl-type contender with the talent on the roster and the quality of the quarterback. Um, Speaking of which, they're going to have, I think, you guys are there. I'm not there, but I think they're going to have some tough cuts to make it at certain positions they got a lot of talent on the on this roster at, at certain positions like what name them d-line right yeah there's a there's a couple of guys that's gonna it's gonna be hard to get rid of i mean if the most they could probably keep would be what nine, nine? maybe even if they pushed it to 10 with a practice squad guy on as a 10th well, the thing is, too, is, as you know, Steve, way better than I do. I mean, you want you want guys to be able to play special teams if they're going to be right. bottom end players on your roster. And usually D linemen don't. I mean, I guess I guess ends can. You know, but, you know, usually 300 pound tackles, defensive tackles don't play special teams. Yeah. Right? The way they've worked around that to still carry a large number of defensive linemen is they play nickel so much that they'll yep. sometimes go a little lighter at linebacker with the 53, and that affords them the an opportunity spot, to take yeah. an extra defensive lineman, for example. Now, I would, I would argue, and again, I'm not there, so take it for maybe I'm totally off base, but I would say offensive line, there'll be some tough cuts as well after you get through the – who are basically the starters. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot. I mean, it's going to be uh, – you get through, you know – Dawkins, Saffold, Morse, Bates, Spencer Brown, and Dan Kessenberry. There's six. And right. then yeah, so and, and those are the first probably the first six in. Then you've got two or three guys like Cody Ford is still hanging in there. Uh Greg Manns. Greg Manns has been a, a really Center good guard guy. Uh, Alec, good you know who's been yeah. good is Alec Anderson, the rookie free agent guard out of UCLA. He's played really well. Um yeah, it's and, and yeah. you want you want guys at that point who can play multiple positions. You know that's that's the key because you know look you, you don't know how the season is going to play out, but you know you want guys who can play guard and center. You know the one guy who yeah. can do that. They they generally look for guys that offer position flex. But let's get to Keenum, Greg, because this was a bounce back performance. Even Coach McDermott referenced it afterwards that Case was locked in after a subpar performance in preseason game one, and he got a series with the ones after Josh yeah. exited and really kind of buttoned things up as far as his personal game was concerned. Yeah, and, and they came out and they helped him with his first two throws, which came on what I call conventional play action, meaning he was under center. 
Um, the, and, you know, that, that helps define the reads and the throws. Um, I guess the second one was a really, it was a, a great route by Stefan Diggs and a really good ball by Keenum. Um, but no, he was comfortable right away. People may forget that he's had success in this league as a starter. You know, obviously we know what Case Keenum is. Everybody in the league does. Uh, you know, no, everybody knows he's not the guy you want to be your 17-game starter. But if you had to line up with Case Keenum, he certainly can do that. I mean, he got to an NFC championship game. wasn't that long ago. So he can play quarterback in this league. And, and he was really sharp. Um, I saw it, I thought he saw things really clearly. Um, obviously does not have a big gun. Um, and, and it's funny when you saw him throw the ball right after Josh, it's like, wow, what a difference. But, but Allen may have the strongest pure, purely strongest arm in the league. Um, but, you know, I, I think to me, the biggest thing that stood out offensively, and I don't know how you guys felt, but I thought the run game really yeah. stood out to me. Well, I I did too, except that they were running against, you know, the junior varsity at best. No question. And they were supposed to, if they're going to play their starters and do that, they're supposed to dominate a team like that. Yeah, but it continued Without with question. the second team and yeah, the third team. That's exactly right. I mean, yeah. even down into the deep end of the offensive line rotation for the Bills, they were still pushing the Broncos all over the football field. Yeah. But here's what I, I will say to that. I, I would say that um, one of the things that definitely stood out, though, was how much they ran with the quarterback under center. Now, I don't know. Obviously, Josh only played the first series, um, so we don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, the third play of the game was outside zone with Allen under center. Um, I think this is where Roger Saffold is a big, big factor because Roger Saffold has a ton of experience, guys, as you know, as a zone run blocker. Um, he did that with the Titans. He did that with the Rams. Uh, and I think that 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 pickup is a really good one if they'd like to run the ball a little more. And I'm talking about a conventional run game. I mean, we know Josh Allen in critical situations. They're still going to ask him to run if it's third and three. We know all that. But at some point, and we saw this toward the end of last season, you do need to line up and run the ball conventionally. You know, that's that's the way it goes in this league. You can't, as great as Josh is and with the weapons that they have on the outside, and, and I want to get to, to uh, Shakir again because right. he's one of my favorites. But, you know, you still have to line up and run the ball. And, you know, look, last year, the games they won, they won by big margins. But they also lost close games. And you need it. There are times in games, and I think, Steve, you would agree with this, even in, from the days of the K-Gun where you were so explosive offensively, there are kind of times where you just need to reset your offense and get some continuity and stability, and that happens more with the run game than throwing it all over the yard. Right. It also gives you a chance, you know, like the Bills, to close out some games or get to halftime or get out of a yep. series. Um, and to having the ability to get a grind out a first down also – makes it possible sometimes that you don't and I know it sounds crazy and we did this with the K gun as well and I've seen it happen with the Bills. Even if you don't score, you get down, get a three get a three point field goal or whatever, or you miss a field goal, the defense is back out there after four plays because you're yeah. you're carving this other defense up. And unless you keep scoring like they did against yeah. the New England Patriots, your defense starts to wear out and it starts to give life to the other offense just for the sheer fact that they're out there so much. Yeah, you don't want your defense playing 75 snaps a game. Right. You just don't. No matter how good your offense is, you just don't want that to be the case every week. All right, so let's get to Shakir. Now, you said he's quickly becoming one of your favorites. 
Do you like him better than your favorite George Pickens about two months ago? Has he, unse- uh, no, has no. he unseated yeah. him yet? Yeah. or? No, no, no. <laughs> they're, they're different, Brownie. They're different. Um, but Shakir, you know, look, we talked about him, I think, briefly last week as yeah. well. I really liked his tape coming out. I'm not the least bit surprised that he's performed well. You know, I don't know what he's been doing every day in camp, obviously. But, you know, in the games, it's evident that this guy has a feel he knows how to get open. He's very smooth. He's very comfortable. I mean, when he caught that first ball, which was not that one we we're looking at, but he caught a 22-yarder, um, and uh, it was actually on a seven-stop. It might be this one we're looking at right now. Yeah. What, see, to me, something very subtle, and Steve, you'll appreciate this, just his run after catch there. It wasn't a long run. You know, it wasn't a 30-yard run, but he's just smooth. He's an easy mover. He has an awareness, a savvy to him, a feel. Um I'm really curious how this, you know, we know that you have Diggs, one of the best in the league, Davis, who could join that category, you know, with continued growth. We know that uh, McKenzie is going to get meaningful snaps. They brought in Crowder. I, I think Shakir is going to find a place in this receiving core, and I think he's one of those guys that they're going to have to find snaps for. What about the Bills' defense? We've talked a lot about how they've upgraded and rotated the, the guys up front. Uh, that We've been talking a lot about how many safeties they may keep, whether it's five or yeah. six. Uh, Cam Lewis has been taking snaps at safety so he can play nickel, co- outside corner, yep. and safety. So that gives them some flexibility maybe to, to sneak another roster spot at another position. Linebacker, they're getting a lot of good play from Spectre and, and Bernard. Um, yeah. Also from Edmonds and Milano, of course. It, it, you know, just what are your thoughts on how the defense is coming together, and who's stood out to you, particularly out of the young guys? Well, I'll tell you, a kid who always shows up on film, always, and obviously he's not going to be a starter because they have two of the best safeties in the league. But I think Johnson always shows up on film, yeah. um, despite his lack of desire and ideal size. He's aggressive. He's competitive as a box player. He did miss one tackle this week, but that's rare for him. Um, I think he's savvy on the back end. We talked about that last week with the interception. Um, he shows up. You know, don't you guys agree? I mean, yeah. again, you're yeah. there. But I think this kid shows up all the time on film. He just, you know, you hate to be cliched, but, you know, you guys will know what I mean. He just looks like a football player. You know, he just yeah. he's aware of everything that's going on. Yeah, big yeah. time. We both agree with you. And I, I think it's really been a, a juggling act. And I think we, we, we spoke to Brandon Bean about it in our production meeting last week. They, the Bills have made a concerted effort to keep him happy while he's not starting uh, because they know he would love to get on the field and – They've done some things with his contract to make sure he's happy because they don't want to lose him. Well, and, and that's a great, you know, I'm really happy to hear that because you never know how a season is going to play out. Right. You know, no one wants to see any injuries, No, yeah, obviously, but that's the nature of the game. And if either Poyer or Hyde had to miss some time, you know, just me, and it sounds like the, the Bills brass feels the same way. I sense that that they'd be pretty comfortable putting Johnson out there, you know, and I think he can play both on the back end and he could play in the back. In other words, he could do he could do at least tactically what Poyer and Hyde can do, even though he's obviously not quite at that level because they're two of the best. But you don't have to change your defense if you had to put Johnson out there. Right. The Bills pass rush didn't get a ton of sacks in this game. The first one came with like the last few minutes of the game and it was Elianku doing it. Um 
But some of the guys that got in early were moving Josh Johnson off the spot with some yeah. measure of consistency, hands in his face, et cetera. And Leslie Frazier is happy with that. He said it is not all about sacks. If you're moving guys off the spot and hurrying throws, he's pretty happy. Uh, it looked like Shaq Lawson and A.J. Epinesa were the guys doing that early. Yeah, and, and I think uh, I agree with Leslie. I think it's about speeding up the quarterback and disrupting the timing of the pass game. Um, you know, that that's critical. He, I remember talking to Dick LeBeau years ago, and he, he said, look, sacks, they come and they go, but you want to make sure you get the quarterback to play fast. And I think that's that's probably what you're talking about here. Epinesa is he looks quicker to me, certainly quicker than when he came into the league. Um, he's probably still more of a speed to power guy. He's got strong hands. He knows how to use them. He knows how to play off contact. Um, but he certainly has gotten quicker with a change of direction and his short area burst. And I'm real curious to see his season. Um, you know, Lawson, to me. I would say he's never really been a true edge pass rusher. Right. I think he's at his best as a strong side run defender. He's got really good point of attack strength. He uses his hands really well. This is not to say he can never rush the quarterback, but I don't necessarily think that the strength of his game is as an edge pass rusher. But I think those kinds of players are players you need on your defensive line. What are some of the other defensive line qualities we've seen? Because there's some guys like Daquan Jones, uh, Shaq, of course, uh, Jordan yeah. Phillips back in the fold, uh, Tim Settle, well, although he didn't play this last week. They are really deep, Steve, at D-tackle. I mean, that's another – you know, we were talking about their D-line. I mean, Jones started, um, obviously, with Oliver. I don't know if, you know, if that's – we know Oliver's a starter. You know, does it appear Jones would be the starter when the season starts next to Oliver? Because Jones is a good, solid pro. I mean, he certainly – look, Oliver is a true three technique with that with that gap ability, that one-gap ability. So Jones would be more of the, the one technique, the nose kind of player. Um, but no team lines up, you know, in the same front on every snap, obviously. Um Jones has always been a really solid player. And then you got Phillips. And I know I'm missing someone who's uh, Tim Settle. What's that? Tim Settle. Yeah, he he was phenomenal last week. Yeah. And and I remember when he got drafted, I, I knew some coaches on the staff at Washington, and they said that if he, you know, could keep his weight down and stay in shape, that he had dominant traits. So, you know, they've got four guys right there that you can feel really good about lining up and playing with. And you know, this is a really deep group, and, and you really want to have that in this league with so many teams throwing the ball out of the gun, teams going more up-tempo, and, and, and you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, you want to be in a position. It's hard for 300-pound guys to play 75 snaps a game. That's just hard. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, Oliver's not 300 pounds, but most D-tackles are closer to that, right. and it's just hard for them to play 70 snaps a game. So you need that kind of rotational strength. Yeah, and it looks like they'll have it. Um the last one from me, this guy's been somewhat of an enigma through training camp for them. Flashed on Saturday, O.J. Howard um, yeah. has been trying to acclimate himself to this system. Finally flashed and made a play, you know, in the end zone on one of the drives. But what did you see from him overall on tape besides just the touchdown? Well, again, you know. We know that Knox is a really good receiver and a really good athlete, and he's he can detach from the formation, and we you know we know that. So the question becomes, what are they looking for um, as a second tight end? Because Howard, 
obviously caught the touchdown, but I really took a close look at him at his snaps. He had some really good one-on-one blocks versus defensive ends in the run game. It was a six-yard run by Cook that I took note of. There was an 11-yard run by Moss that I also made note of. Howard's always been a really solid inline blocker. And he was a really athletic guy. I know he's had some lower body injuries, so I'm not sure where he stands in that regard. Uh, but when he came out of Alabama, people spoke about his 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 intermediate and vertical route running ability. Um, now, Knox is not a great inline blocker. That's not the strength of his game. And obviously, the Bills are not necessarily, they haven't been, you know, one of those teams that lines up with tight formations and says, here we come, we're going to run the ball. So, you know, he's battling against Sweeney, I would assume, right? Is it is for the number yeah. two spot? Yeah, and, yeah, and, Quentin, and Morris, Quentin Morris has actually, uh, yeah, 85. He's got a lot of snaps this week. Yeah, and he has played well during training camp. We were out practicing. He, he one-handed one in the back of the end zone this morning, did Quentin Morris. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's a converted receiver from right. college. Yeah, and, I know, he's, and he's a little smaller. He's a receiver, you're right. Yeah, he is. Uh, he is been one of those guys and true to the Bills culture over here he's gotten better and better and better and better so we'll see if his better is now good enough and I'm, to get I'm on sure the you saw it on tape too Greg they moved him around a little bit he was almost serving in a similar role in, in which they utilize Reggie Gilliam they were lining him up in the backfield a little bit pre-snap yep. and moving him around so those kinds of guys, as you know, Brownie, then it comes down to how they see them in the context of of their offense. Yeah. You know, they might like Howard, but if they decide that that position, you know, the movement like that is more valuable, then sometimes that, that's the way it works with given teams. But I, I was impressed with Howard's run blocking ability this week. I thought that stood out. Greg, thanks. It's always great talking to you. It's the first chance I've had to get now in your new stand. I've been gone and off and I'm. It's nice to see you. I know you had a golf tournament last week, I know, Steve. Well, you know, (laughs) first things first, obviously. So, uh, good uh, good to have you back. How was your offseason? I didn't get a chance. Did you do anything fun? Well, no, because we moved, so we didn't go anywhere. So, you know, I was telling Brownie that basically what I did, Steve, and I know you'll crack up with this, is – I basically came into work during my vacation and just like leisurely watched tape all summer and, and ran through a whole bunch of stuff, NFL stuff, college stuff. So, but yeah, you already know I'm a little nuts when it comes to that. Yeah. You, you use your vacation. Yeah, to you do are work. certifiable you're, for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that's why we love you. So uh, we'll catch up with you next week. Thanks for joining us, Greg. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Greg. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right. That's senior producer from NFL films, Greg Cosell. Uh, breaking down some of the game tape from Saturday's game with us. And, yeah, I mean, O.J. Howard is is going to be a very interesting case here uh, as far as the Bills' yeah. decision-makers are concerned. Is, and I thought Greg pointed out a very astute point there at the very end because, as we've seen, Quentin Morris has been used more in the backfield in a role similar to Reggie Gilliam you know, when they go eye formation or they're down in the red zone and they're going heavy because they ran like 23 personnel a couple of times down on the goal line, and there's Quentin Morris in the backfield. I mean, they used O.J. Howard also, but O.J. is more of an inline, true, wide tight end. And I think Quentin Morris may offer you a little bit more versatility. So does that tip the scales in his favor as opposed to Howard? Or is Howard's blocking in the run game so good that you say, hey, he might not be as versatile as Morris, but he is dominant here. We need him on the field. That's yeah. the decisions they're going through, right? And it, can, and it comes down to Ken Dorsey saying, I, how often are we going to need to power run and have that be 
like so crucial to our game plan. Maybe, and it's it's all important at some point, right? I mean, all of these things we're talking about are crucial at some point. But how often are you going to need to line up and run, you know, a four minute drill to get out of a game and, and dominate? And if you do run a four minute drill, do you really need OJ Howard in there? Can you put an offensive tackle or or somebody else, or or will Quentin Morris be good enough to get you out of a game on the four minute drill? And in the meantime. Is O.J. good enough in the passing game still to overshadow Quentin Morris? Now, Quentin Morris has played really well in that respect. Yeah. And it'll be what they what do they want their offense to look like? Who's going to get used the most and be the most effective? And plus, they don't want to get predictable either. It's a real question, Mark, um, because there's so much we don't know about how good Quentin Morris is in the run game, how good – O.J. Howard has been in the passing game, certainly caught the touchdown passes last weekend. Uh, it, but he's right. It comes down to Ken Dorsey and Sean McDermott and Tom and Joe Brady sitting down and saying, you know, here's what, here's what we get out of these guys, and I yeah. think this combination gives us the most. And whether O.J. Howard's a part of that or Quentin Morse is a part of that or neither one of them are or it involves somebody else, they got to figure that out. And it's not unlike the other situation – at corner and safety where you have Nick McLeod who's been playing two positions, right. but now all of a sudden in the 11th hour you've got Cam Lewis doing the same thing. Are both of those guys on the roster? Probably not. So what's your flavor there? Unless you put both those guys on the roster and then release two other DBs that, you, that are that are, that are singular positions. Yeah, that players. are specialized. That's, that's tough, man. That's yeah. a hard call. A lot, lot of tough decisions for the front office to make when they have to get the roster down to 53 a week from tomorrow. We have to take a break here. When we come back, more of your thoughts on the tweet sheet and maybe a little NFL true-false. We'll take a break here and be back with more on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Back one Bills Live is the show. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Practice is over out on the practice field. And addressing the media now post-practice is quarterback Josh Allen. Let's go there now. Where you're at right now as far as the offense and what you've accomplished so far. Well, we're playing football in Buffalo. Heck yeah, I'm happy. But in terms of that, we've got a lot of work to do. Um, just still learning, obviously. This last preseason game, giving us a glimpse of what we can do on a football field, and regardless of who you're playing, if you look at you know statistically what we did, you know it was a good day for us. Um, so in order to to keep moving on, we got to build on that, learn from our mistakes, and just try to apply it to the practice field, and uh, you know hopefully it, it works out and lives up as well. Comfortable do you, would you say you are now? I mean, obviously you've known Ken for a long time, but with him in this new role, I mean that's a, that's a big storyline going into the season it's just what he's going to bring to this offense how he's going to put a stamp on it just where do you assess things as the preseason here is almost over i mean he's doing a really good job um you know his call sheet you know how he's talking to us before games and in, in, in preparation for games uh, making sure that you know the call sheet that he has for whatever quarterback is out there is the plays that we are comfortable with um and i really appreciate how he's doing that and i know case and matt appreciate it the same way um, but in terms of just operation, you know, if you look at the game, we were getting getting plays in really quickly in order to, or enabled to go to the line of scrimmage and, and make checks and make different calls. 
Um, you know, and I think that's sometimes a growing pain that some offensive coordinators don't don't see. And obviously, I've only been around now too. Um, but that that play clock, once it gets to 15, all communication shut off. So you've got to get that play call in quick, and you got to know your next call uh, really just based on what you feel is going to happen during that play. And you got to be quick on your feet. And you know, I think he's done a really good job in preseason so far. No, not at all. I think Joe stepping down too. Um, you know, being on the sideline with us, just trying to relay what Dorsey's talking to with the coaches, and I think that's a good thing. Like, when, when OCs are up in the box, I think they see things a little bit better. Um, you know, Coach McDermott said there was quite a hefty fine for any any flags from the refs, from the coaching staff. So I think that also entices Dorsey to, to go up in the box. He gets, he gets fiery, man, but, um, no, he's doing a great job. Like I said, Joe and, and having Case and Matt downstairs, too, or, or on the field going over looks on the, on the iPads um, and just kind of talking through things. It's a very comfortable feel. What? Well, there's smoke, there's fire, right? Um, now that you've had a chance to go through training camp, the OTAs, and a couple of preseason games, so you, you yourself six plays, how much removed, how much does this remove you from last season in some ways where you can put to rest last season, or does it work that way? Um, in my mind, it does. You know, it didn't matter what we did last year. Nothing carries over. You know, every team that we play, you know, at the start of the season, zero and zero, and everybody's got the same hopes of winning the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, it's just our job, again, to come out here, be the best versions of ourselves, practice hard, try to get better, and then go go 1-0 and each week. That's our mindset take it week by week, and obviously we know – who we've got opening night Thursday night in LA against the uh, you know the Super Bowl um, the Super Bowl champs. So you know we know our backs are against the wall in that aspect, and uh, we just got to put our best foot forward. Taking a peek at the Rams, um, you and Ken, and maybe the offense as a whole. Um, not not too much. Um, obviously, I think this week is when we'll start to get started on them. You don't want to put too much preparation into something. Again, things change, and, and and you see different different stuff on game day, and who knows how. How they're going to play us, if they're going to play us any differently, and um, you know, throughout the course of the game, you have to make adjustments, and uh, that's what we'll do. What are you seeing from Clinton Morris, who is a guy that most of us really didn't know existed too much, um, but he's getting to start last week with Dawson not there. Just what have you seen from him? And yeah, I mean, he's for for his size, he's extremely athletic. Again, uh, a, a guy that just works hard and has come into this organization and. Everybody loves him based on how he, you know, how he carries himself, how he practices. Him in the locker room, uh, he's a he's just a vibrant guy to be around. Um, and when you do that, and then you continue to make plays in practice and, and in the game, typically good things happen. So, um, you know, he's he's fighting really hard right now. He's like I said, he he busts his tail 24/7 um, in practice. So happy to see him getting some of these reps and, and making some plays for us, and uh, to see what he can do for us. Tommy Sweeney seems like he's had a strong hand. He's always seemed to be a, a favorite in the locker room. What have you seen from him, obviously, as he's come back and you know tried to put the myocarditis in the lost season behind him? Yeah, I think, like you said, it's the strongest camp I've been around, you know, what he's what he's been able to do. Uh, making contested catches. Obviously, Tommy, he's, he's one of the smartest guys in the room. He knows the playbook inside and out, knows where he needs to be. Um, and like you said, in the locker room, everybody loves him and, um, you know, when you have a locker room like this, guys guys gravitate towards each other and guys root for each other. And 
Um, you know, these competitions, you know, they're competitive um, by all means, but everybody kind of still pushes for you, and uh, that's that's what I love about this locker room. Guys are out here busting their tails and uh, just trying to just trying to find a way to have a role on this team. How often do you have to deal with that ball? And, and I guess the second part of the question is, what do you think he brings to the wide receivers here? Obviously, very yeah, one, Chad, he played the game. He knows. He, he's been in these situations with these receivers. Um, so he's not just asking them to, them to do something he hasn't done. Um, guys love him. I love him. He's he's infectious. On the sidelines, I don't know if you guys have ever seen him. He's jumping up and down every time the ball's in the air. It's our ball or no ball. Um, you know, and he's he's very vocal. He's loud. Um, but, again, he just, he's got so much respect from so, so many other guys on the team because he, he roots so hard for us, and he's trying to teach these guys the right things. And um, I've got a lot of faith and trust in him, and I know all those receivers in that room do as well. How you address the, the expectations for this team amongst your teammates, if you have at all, because they're out there, they're lofty, you know, the Super Bowl favorite, preseason Super Bowl favorite, all that stuff. Is that a conversation that you have with any of your teammates? And if it is, what do you, what do you tell them? You know, at the end of the day, we know what we want to accomplish, and it's no secret. I think there's 31 other teams that, you know, say they want to win the Super Bowl, and if they don't say it, they're lying. You know, um, that's our goal. You know, everything that we do is towards that goal. And you know, Coach McDermott preaches playoff caliber, and in order to win the Super Bowl, you got to make the playoffs. So everything that we do, inside and outside of the building, should be focused towards that goal of making the playoffs and giving ourselves a chance to win the Super Bowl earlier that you feel like the page has officially been turned to this season from, from what happened last year. Along with that, then, does that alleviate any concerns about a quote-unquote hangover from the way that last season ended? Or is that not anything that you're worried about, that that dragging into this year? No, definitely not. Guys are hungry. Um, you know, we, we know the, the taste that was left with us, and, you know, we want to get rid of that. Um, but, again, we're 0-0, zero zero. start week one against the Rams, who, again, they won the Super Bowl last year. So uh, going into a, a hostile environment and, again, just trying to put our best foot forward. How often do you ever uh, you know, sit and watch Matt kind of uncork some bombs and punts out there? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. Um, you know, his nickname in college, I think everybody knows what it is. Um, I saw something on Twitter, though, you know, try to keep him off the field, and he's, he'll be the hold god. Not the punt god, the hold god. So... I saw that on Twitter. I thought that was pretty funny. Don't tell him I said that. Uh, but, no, he's, again, what he did in college and what he's going to do for us this year, and we saw what he could do in the preseason game. And I'm happy for him. He's a, he's a great guy to be around. Guys love him. And, um, you know, he'll be uh, able to do some good things for this team. No, I think I think he's got me beat. He's got a strong leg now. There's not a lot of punters that receive that type of attention just normally. So just how, how does he handle that around you guys? Pretty well. Um, yeah, he, he's he's a football player, man. And I, I'd consider him and Tyler Bass even like they're football players first. They love the game and they're very good at what they do. So to have those two guys solidified and um, being able to like learn from each other and feed off each other, you know that whole special teams unit um, between you know Matt T Bass and Reed, and he's throwing you know Taiwan Jones and Matikavich. Um, you know, just really good core guys that are just great people. And then on the field, you see what they do, and uh, they're monsters. Most important questions you've ever been asked in your life? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Keep them coming. That's fine.
Yeah, I mean, his, his personality, one, um, inside the building, he's completely business. And like I said, the playoff caliber mindset, he really embodies that. Like, everything that he does in this building is structured towards helping this team win a Super Bowl. And guys see that, guys, guys respect that, and it forces guys to be like that. You know, some of these young guys that we have on the edge, and, and Greg, and AJ, and Boogie, and being able to... to learn from him on the field and off the field really you know I think those are invaluable lessons that are going to push these guys and, and help them become the best that they can be Thank you. all right that's Josh Allen addressing the media after practice today happy to be playing football in Buffalo as he said and wants to change the punt God's name to the punt hold hold God hold God sorry punt God to hold God okay I get it because that means if He's not punting. That means the offense is putting points on the board every time they get the football. So I, I get the connection. I'm, yeah, I'm, I get it. I, yeah, that's uh, – I've been underwhelmed by the uh, holding facet of this contest from the beginning. So, um, yeah, it's going to be okay. He's done great thus far holding, and I'm sure he's going to continue to do that. So it's it's all about the pressure. And He's, he's he's a fine holder, and I hope that's all he ever does for the Bills. He never, uh, you know, maybe late in a game on a fourth and a foot from midfield, Sean McDermott wants to give him one punt for the day. You mean like Saturday? Yeah, that's fine. You can live with that. All right. I'll sign up for it's that cheap, for sure. You know, cheap labor, that's for sure. Remember, I, I don't think it was – no, it was not. It was not last year. It was the year before where the Bills, I think, were leading the league in fewest punts taken. Yeah, and then it was I last think year. finished second in 2020. I think it was last year they Because it was Bohorquez. Yeah. He only punted like 38 times. It they had Hawk last ago. year, so it was two, two years. years ago. And last year they were low as well. In the 40s yeah. somewhere. It's, it's a thing. And it may continue to go down with more and more coaches going for it on fourth down. And if you have a powerhouse offense like the Bills well, do, plus, you're more apt to go for it. And I'll say it. this, Tyler Bass is a, is a weapon. I think he's really good. He's, you could try – I mean, they don't really like to try field goals from like 57 or 60 because if you miss it, which it's hard to make, the ball turns over right there, right? So they get the ball at the 50 rather than punting it down, having them start inside their 10 if, a, if it's a good punt. So – Sometimes even having a long field goal kicker doesn't preclude the fact that you might punt it instead. But Bass gives you an extra 10 yards of leeway. Just go out and try for the field goal instead of punting it down close. Yeah. You know, I, I think Bass is a real weapon that's been underrated and, you know, kind of forget about him. But the, the dude's money. He's really good. Yeah. I mean, if a drive stalls just inside a midfield – you may think about it. Well, it's just yeah. because of his leg. If 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 you reach the forty yard line, you got to feel like they're going to try and they can go for the field goal. You know, the it'd be a fifty eight yarder. You know, so kick it. Yeah. You know, we got to take a break here. When we come back, some final thoughts on the tweet sheet, and we'll bring in a quick update from practice. That coming up next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio.
All right, before we get back to the tweet sheet, just wanted to let you know that uh, practice today, Greg Manns, the veteran offensive lineman, plays center and guard, unfortunately suffered an injury and had to go to the locker room after practice. Uh, according to our reporters, buffalobills.com, uh, he had to go to the locker room. He was sitting on a cart and had uh, one of his feet up on the cart there. But uh, we'll have to see uh, what becomes of that. But, yeah, yeah, unfortunately, Greg Mann's injured at practice today. It's the, uh, it's, it's the realization that, yeah, everybody's worried about getting hurt in a preseason game. It happens in practice. It, it got does tangled, happen in got practice, tangled, Yeah, it got tangled up, I think, with who was it? Uh, with Bobby uh, Hart, and Bobby Hart, and a defense. Uh, it was uh, DeQuan Jones or somebody. I'm, I'm sure, but uh, Mance goes down with a foot injury and had to be carted off. That's not good. Um, but I'm sure we'll get an update tomorrow. Absolutely. Yeah. See where it goes. Uh, some final thoughts on the tweet sheet, though. Uh, this one from Gary, who says, "I know it's only preseason and Denver didn't play starters, but Buffalo having only three third downs the whole game is amazing." Rachel says, "99 percent of the game was perfect." But I thought our tackling was bad at times, and even the starting defensive lineman didn't win as much against the Broncos' backup O-line as I would have hoped. I hope our young D-linemen show more consistency by the regular season. Wow. Yeah, I thought the, I thought the tackling, and I said it on the air on the broadcast, it's one of the things you can't tack, you don't practice enough of in yeah. preseason in this day and age. They just, because of player safety, because you got guys like Greg Mance going off the field when they're not tackling, you know, guys get nicked when you get tackled, so they don't practice it as much, particularly not live and full right. go, and, and guys are need work on it. They do bring out those big, giant rolling donuts, and they, they wrap those up, but even those they don't tackle to the ground. Yeah, um, those don't just, fight back. And they don't fight back either. You're right. So you can form tackle as much as you want, but the opportunities to practice yeah. it in practice are few and far between. It's hard to remember. Which is why you need preseason snaps. Right, it's hard to remember to disengage your self-preservation mode when you're playing you know you hard you got to flip it off and you know you just flip that switch off and you know not care whether you get hurt or not and go in and tackle guys you don't usually get hurt but it's hard to do sometimes that'll do it for a monday edition of one bills live steve and i will be right back here tomorrow for another day of bills talk and coverage from the practice field we'll see you at 1 p.m tuesday